0: for the dad bod rap pod with your hosts damone carter david ma and nate leblanc
1: dad bod rap pod we're back for another week i am damone carter aka dim one i am joined as always on mondays by my cardigan clad friend mr nate leblanc what's happening You know, uh,
2: how am I? How am I? Uh, you know, I, you have kids and probably needed to do stuff this weekend. As a uh, person who just has a wife, I, I had like my back hurt today <laughs> because I laid on the couch so much this weekend.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. it was
2: Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day, I had to do a little stuff. Saturday, I actually went up to the city and had a very nice dinner. And we went to this like unauthorized Banksy exhibit. I've heard Um, about that. Was that good? It was kind of interesting. The person has a very good collection of his work, as much as one can collect street art. Some prints, some stuff I'd never seen before, for sure. Uh, Can a Banksy show
1: be unauthorized with him being an unauthorized artist? Well, there's a
2: lot of (laughs) meta-textual questions around that, yes. Right. Um, Because they're selling merch at the back. And I'm like... Can you revere something so much that you steal it? And as a hip hop yep. person who loves sampled music, yes. Yes. Uh, Art <laughs> is a little different, but I was like, if they're selling mugs with the girl letting the heart balloon go, doesn't that mean he had to at least have been informed in some way? So much. No. Like, I don't think Banksy shop- would like that. and all but what's he gonna do about it right exactly show up a lawsuit with his name on it so um it was it was a cool thing the funny thing about it is and i'm sure they'll listen to this so hi mom and dad my mom brought me to this oh is that right
1: banksy's okay
2: role in culture is such that like the mom is bringing the son not the other way around you know what i mean like he's that big his okay. name is that big of a draw so then, uh, then he
1: should then he should be getting bootleg mugs off i think that's yeah. the ultimate it's like the giants game right when you walk up and you're like none of this is licensed
2: gear i love it right it's like you could buy a 35 five dollar t-shirt inside or a 10 dollar t-shirt outside it's all fine as long as you love the team right so anyway that and watching the beatles documentary which is essentially them just sitting around telling dick jokes and uh uh creating some songs and deciding that they're not going to make a movie, which of 50 years later we got the movie. movie. Uh fascinating. Could talk about that at length. I know you haven't watched it and don't particularly care, but it is pretty interesting.
1: I I I care. I'll never forget the time we were talking about the Beatles one day before um uh before a recording session. I we was talking about that stupid movie yesterday. Um, and I was like, Have you seen it? And you were like, I have a special relationship with the Beatles and i
2: was like fucking nate i I don't i don't watch interpretations of beatles stuff i'll watch direct beatles stuff you've never seen the movie yesterday no i don't watch stuff like that or across the universe i'm not interested in other people's takes on the beatles Oh, am only interested in what I think about their music. Does that make sense? I know it sounds poncy, and it is. Oh, oh,
1: it did, and my, my eyes rolled so far back in my head, but I, yeah. I respect it. I don't I watch the,
2: the Cirque du Soleil show because I'm going to listen to these songs for the rest of my life. I love these songs, and I live with these songs. I don't want to think about some dude jumping off a three-story trampoline every time I hear it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but I, I mean, don't want to think of some actor she's in it playing his acoustic guitar in a movie I, every time i hear she loves you i want to think about paul mccartney you know what i mean
1: yeah i, I mean i guess i do and, and at that time i was like okay Nate. the movie yesterday does not uh in any way deter my experience of the beatles but it is dumb i i will agree <laughs> most of these things the knockoff things that happen are pretty dumb uh and i haven't watched the documentary yet i actually i haven't finished the paul mccartney uh three, two, one joint. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: I really, really enjoyed both. I will say for this uh, most recent one on Disney, it is long and you, you better be a huge fan because they just sit around and talk for hours. It's like, you can, you can leave the room and come back. Like they're still going. Like there's, there's no need to watch every second of this, but there are some truly amazing parts of it.
1: All right. All right. Like I say, with most things, um, my next stomach flu, I'll get to it all. It'll be I'll I'll check all of it out. Uh, But we are a rap podcast, as it turns out, and uh, we got rap things happening. We got a a dope interview coming up for y'all on the other side of this funky introduction. Uh, And it's an interview that's a long time coming. Uh, Nate and Dave have been talking about uh, Rob Sonic and uh, more specifically Sonic Sums album Sanity Annex. On many, many, many episodes And we kind of had been circling uh, Rob Sonic for a while And we were fortunate enough to get uh, Him to talk to us on this episode Which you'll hear in just a bit But um, Not to not to give too much away But Nate, you kind of You really uh, made an impassioned plea To, to get Sanity nX on DSPs and you'll hear Rob Sonic's Answer uh, to Nate's question About that in just a little bit But it got me thinking about some of the dopest projects that are not currently on streaming and because I just think like this um are and we'll start here are we just being lazy bastards oh yeah yeah are we just is is the idea that like everything should be on a major streaming platform really just us being lazy
2: Yes, it's it's fan centric. It's not artist centric. Mm. And like, it's just it's we just want easy access. I was I was having I don't know if I've told you this. I'm going to Joshua Tree in between Christmas and New Year's with some friends. And oh, nice. um, Yeah, we got like an Airbnb and we're going to be down there for a somewhat extended period of time. And I was talking to one of the people um, who I'm going with at Thanksgiving. And I was like, I'm creating this playlist for us um, like you know it's it's currently at about 30 hours. It's like Shit. you know some desert vibes like some bright black morning light, some Graham Parsons like I, I want it to be redolent of the desert and I just okay. want something we can put on and shuffle when we don't want to think about what we want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And the person that I was talking to was like, yeah, but is it going to have like the old hits of like our friendship and like our, our nostalgia. <laughs> and I was like, we can put on whatever we want. Like right. the history of recorded music is available at a, this place at has any, good Fi. Like yeah. we can listen to anything that's Anytime. anywhere, any YouTube video, any, any Spotify. I'm right. doing a thing for like one for me, cause it's fun and I like doing it and two, so I don't have to think about every." Album we want to listen to for yep. six days. Yeah, I just want something I can just throw on and shuffle. So, long uh, Nate, around- Nate,
1: not to stop you, but you're leaning into your audio patina. That's all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a
1: crazy time! What a, what a time! I'm no. oh, sorry. Go go ahead.
2: No, no, it's funny. I am, and it's like you know, if there was a way to put like uh, whatever the sound it makes when a uh, uh, what do they call those things tumbleweeds? Uh, yes, yes, drift past, then I would. <laughs> do you know who william tyler is he makes like this very soundscapey kind of like Mm -hmm. modern country instrumental music a lot of like lap steel it just like sounds like desert highways at night like a lot a lot of stuff okay not even music that i particularly listen to at other times i want it to sound like i'm in the desert because i'm in the desert you know what i mean right Right? Right? anyway that was we're so far away from the point the point (laughs) is um yeah i want everything available to me at a at a kind of moments notice and we even have people friends of the pod friends in real life who kind of are band camp artists and that's even a pain in the ass for me because i've never been able to successfully stream their stuff as easily as i can on spotify which is my dsp of kind of like least resistance sure um so it's like it's like your chances of me listening to your record go up a million percent if it's on spotify
1: (laughs) yeah no i i hear you i'm 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 similar and i think i'm having a moment of like kind of guilt around that uh because i i saw a tweet because this is what stokes my ire these days are tweets um that was kind of chiding artists who hide their music on band camp and it's like if you want to grow and expand your audience and i'm like is that what it's really about? Or, you are you idiots just who want to be
2: paid? Yeah, for exactly. your art
1: and your hard work. Yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, but for but for what? For fractions of a of a cent per person? Well, play? it's
2: interesting that you that you frame it that way because the you get literally zero for the streams on Bandcamp. You just have a huge chance of people converting and buying where yep. you were on spotify or title which apparently has better rates or apple you get those fractions of a cent but there's no chance to convert them to a purchase without leaving the website so that's the that's the that's the kind of this
1: and when we talked to open mic eagle uh when we were in idaho uh, he talked about and i hope this is on air i can't remember what is it isn't but uh <laughs> why Damon? uh I why don't was know. your memory
2: fuzzy during uh, that time
1: the mountain west <laughs> has certain effects on you um but he was talking about how the streaming culture has uh been a not a death knell but has been very detrimental uh to the underground scene in the sense that um major entities and and even you know sub major entities only want to get behind things that are going to get millions of streams that was on right? air I remember that okay, okay. like
2: there's there's so many artists who can have somewhat of a career and can get thousands of streams tens of thousands hundreds of thousands but the the apparatus is only going to back you if you can get billions basically and that's a pretty yeah. wide gap
1: it, it's it's huge and there was a time especially in the in the record era in the CD era where being a thousand in terms of fans, was it was damn good it was good enough uh and now that that model has been completely flipped and i think it does definitely influence the music that people make because there are artists whom are obviously making music to get into the tens of millions and 40s of million stream world and uh i do think for myself um i say this as somebody who has a Bandcamp account and will buy things occasionally i never go back to the things because Spotify and other services had made it so easy uh, to have the music. And so I'm, I'm kind of in this weird space of like, I want to support. Uh, my son is a musician. I keep telling him to get on Bandcamp and he don't want to do it because it doesn't seem like the main venue of music right now. That's and I'm like, so and interesting. If, I didn't and realize
2: that kids weren't fucking with Bandcamp. It's kind of like a middle-aged yep, uh, demographic, yep, right? That's yep. And, and, and that's
1: and that's how he identifies it. He's like, uh, you know you know, cats of my realm don't really fuck with Bandcamp like that. And I'm like, do you fuck with money?
2: I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. that's because you pay for his apartment.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's like when you're not getting subsidized in that $10 purchase uh, really means something. So I'm definitely trying to think through like maybe as a New Year's resolution, how I can adapt my music listening habits to be more in line with my values. Because, I really do feel like Spotify and all these streaming services ultimately are doing artists a disservice. Right. I'm going to be real, not to get on. What's the
2: price of convenience?
1: It, right. But I kind of feel like with most things in our society, the artists could get paid too, right? There, they it doesn't, could. it they doesn't could. have to be this fucking exploitative, right? percent. Yeah. No, so, so I'm kind of a, uh, I'm in this, in this interesting space, but with that being said, uh, when I heard that stress, the extinction agenda was coming to Spotify. Uh, I, I got super excited uh, because just as you were mentioning in your story to have access to one of the greatest albums of all time so readily. And I don't. But part of me is like, doesn't that make it more special? The fact that I can't just listen to bring it on. um whenever I want because I do feel like certain hip-hop hits kind of get worn out that way because that's
2: interesting that's a very interesting ready access to
1: them uh but it is coming to streaming supposedly De La Solis here yeah it's coming to streaming is that ever oh
2: they I think the news about that got a little bit misconstrued their their rights were not their catalog their rights were bought from Tommy boy by a third party entity that Monica Lynch or faith Newman or one of those, I think Mm -hmm. faith Newman is involved in it's another company that buys rights and they're going to go through a process with them of bringing into DSPs and cutting them in fairly. Like, I I think essentially they, the three gentlemen could not afford to buy it at Tommy boys asking price. So a kind of private equity Uh. firm,
1: came in did and that
2: on, and then yeah. now will cut their own deal with them is what i understand about that and they're trying from okay. what i understand and then just to give a shout out to the homie son raw he kind of broke the news on underground hip-hop yeah. that um organized confusions we'll call it three four albums because it also had the stress instrumentals oh man because um, oh, it, it was equinox
1: uh, well equinox and, um, is up now so equinox has always been title it was the self-titled, there, so it was self-titled titled, and, and stress
2: and stress and stress instrumentals which uh good luck rapping along kids uh (laughs) it came on spotify for a hot second like less than a day damn yeah which was kind of cool and everyone was like oh this is amazing and then i read somewhere in the churn of that twitter thing that they were like okay it it Somebody put the wrong date in a field. It's actually coming out on December seventeenth. I have right. no way of verifying that at the I'm moment. All right, all
1: right. Yeah, Pharaoh Fer- was on it though. It was dope. It was kind of like uh, this idea, and we've mentioned this about De La Soul is dead too, which is probably the best rap album that's not currently on streaming. Uh, we we kind of feel like it'll give other generations and an opportunity to access that, which is cool. There's there is some value in that. That um, folks who weren't around for that uh, could experience it, but I'm also kind of like, you know, uh, yeah, you lose some of the mystery, and maybe that's me being an old fuddy-duddy, but
2: Speaking uh, of being an old fuddy-duddy, this is the point in the conversation where I have to say none of this really matters to me because I own them all on vinyl
1: uh that I can was listen also, to it whenever i want that was also a flex uh <laughs> that i'm not sure i appreciated but part you're, of you're
2: it right. and cd in a lot of these cases um but i got rid of a lot of my cds a little while ago but the point is that's the reason to invest in physical media streaming is ephemeral it can be taken away at any time
1: um and so here's where here's my doomsday analysis i think that we are headed towards a time when ready ready access to the internet will not be so ubiquitous and things like this will cost a lot a lot more i think we're being weaned onto something very much in the same way with uh streaming services let's go
2: let's go a little deeper on this because of climate change or because we're heading toward a fascist government like what what why will it not be so uh
1: because i feel like Uh, there are people with MBAs who are sitting around going, um, remember when we all paid like $50 a month, $60 a month for cable, maybe 70. Somebody was sitting there going, you know what? If we broke these things up into 24 different streaming services, all with different content, you would have to pay 12 here, 12 there. And then eventually you're paying a lot more. I'm already doing
2: that with TV.
1: hundred percent. I don't have TV. And I'm still like, how do I not have TV? And I still don't. uh, And I'm still paying all of this money and also not watching the Warriors because that would cost me another sixty four dollars a month for something that used to be like you pay 50 bucks a month and you get that and all these other things. So I kind of think the business model, uh, once we've been thoroughly indoctrinated into that, this is how you listen to music and you don't have physical things uh, is going to be taken away and the price is going to go way up on it and it's becoming a more of a luxury and i think radio in that sense will come back we will have interesting you listen to songs three songs and an ad is going to be the new thing you're not going to be able to pay spotify like, whatever
2: it is i'll pay more to not hear the ads oh I ha- yeah I hate, there's nothing i hate more same. than when you're at a restaurant and you have to hear oh, spotify ads oh I'm my like, god i'll, I'll pay your tab this month for Spotify premium Please Like here's please. an extra 10 on the tip Like you gotta get rid of these commercials uh,
1: My former favorite coffee shop I went to the proprietor and said You can't do this Like no. you have to pay uh, for a premium account My but, other uh, thing
2: that really bothers me And this would happen a lot more When I actually worked near restaurants for my day job Is whoever was playing their music from their phone Would go on their break <laughs> And they would walk away from the from the receiver And it would just be clipping regretted. terribly And they would have no idea Nope and that actually happened to me at home the other day. I was cooking and like really involved in listening to something, but it was playing on my wife's phone and she went to the store. <laughs> and I had to call her and be like, hey dude, just like press pause, please. You're killing please. me. Like it was so oh, funny.
1: That's hilarious. Um, anywho, that was a very uh roundabout way of saying discursive.
2: Sanity-
1: <laughs> discursive. Oh, is that what you call it? Uh Sanity Annex by Sonic Sum uh is one of those albums not currently available on streaming uh, that Nate and Dave are, are big boosters of have talked about quite a bit on the program and we finally got to have a sit down with Rob Sonic a virtual sit down uh, with Rob Sonic. We weren't yeah.
2: in a church parking lot.
1: No, we weren't but we could be we could but maybe be we should be. Yes yes we need we do need Jesus that's true. Um, So we got to talk to uh, Rob Sonic about Sonic some his career working with Aesop Rock and um, Nate in a very tense and poignant moment corners him corner to where I was I felt like do you want me and Dave to leave? We picked
2: up on something him and I had discussed online, which he does not remember. So that's why I think there was a little bit of awkwardness in that. Um, But yeah, when we, when we first started following each other on social media, him and I got into some, I think it was on Instagram and he, he was like, should I bring this back? And I was like, yes, like, Yes, put it on. Like, let people hear it. And like, we should, we would love to talk to you about that on DBRP. And he was like, "Well, I don't think that's like enough for an interview." And I'm like, "Trust me, we have plenty of stuff to talk to you about." So that's like when the we've
1: done more with less,
2: Rob. (laughs) (laughs) When the seed was planted that he should, yeah, come on the show. And then it turns out later, you know, this was this was quite a while ago at this point. And sometimes that's the way these things happen. He has grown to enjoy the show and yeah. like that's that's been a very you know positive and cool um thing for us so that's that's been pretty rad um yeah just like his music was terribly important to me at a terribly important time for music so mm-hmm. i'm always going to hold it in this like really high esteem and it's also just this it's like really beautiful uh multi-layered and poetic take on independent hip-hop that i think more people should hear and if it's just me and dave then we can be okay in our little corner but i really think the more people that heard it the more people that would like it but maybe it's just of its time and i'm tripping because i have nostalgia like i know you, you gotta check yourself on that right
1: well well i do feel like uh the intervention you staged with him around uh getting this on platforms was good podcasting nonetheless whether it should be or shouldn't be Um, So, with that being said, here is our interview with Rob Sonic, DBRP. Dab Later. on Rap Pod. Every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us on the line from a church parking lot in an undisclosed location. We have someone we've been trying to talk to for quite a while, so we're quite uh, excited to have him on the program. Rob Sonic. What's happening, man?
0: Oh, man. Not much, man. Praise be, I guess. Praise <laughs> <laughs> praise be to the most High, brought us all together here under under you know these this particular situation and i'm happy to be here thanks for having me
1: yeah that's what's up man so uh let's start kind of at the beginning um who were some of the first rapper influences that made you want to start rapping for real for real
0: well wow so long ago uh I guess probably the first uh, first ones would be probably Lovebug Uh then on to like probably Melly Mel, uh, and the Furious Five, uh, Cold Crush. Those guys were always fun, uh, and then it went on to like rock him Probably, I think I think it was more fun like it was for everybody back before. Certain things entered the fray, and uh, I think Rakim was probably my first heavily, heavily really influential MC.
1: Well, oh, okay, because you're from the Bronx, so
0: how how oh, old are actually, you? Actually, I was born in DC. You're born in DC, yeah. Okay. I, I spent most of my formative years in the Bronx.
1: And so when you're talking about being influenced by Millie Mel in the cold crush and stuff, like how how older you? you don't seem that much older than us.
0: <laughs> no, I I was a kid. My, I have an older brother.
1: Okay. So my okay. older
0: brother was my older brother was really heavy into it, but he was weird with it. Like he was into it and then he got out of it, but so I just was like, you know, I I was just sort of there was always music in the house and uh I guess probably it was. It was. I was real young, man. I was probably seven or eight mm. when I started really, really gravitating towards uh, towards hip hop, and, and I was in elementary school when when I guess it sort of took over the, the nation with uh, rappers the light. So uh, we just we you know I just was a kid eating that shit up.
1: Mm, mm, thanks for that, man. Well, you know, you have a lot of history, so we're going to be jumping around a little bit. I think uh, Nate's going to have some uh, specific Sonic Sum Sanity Annex question. so let let me just jump forward a little bit. Um, give listeners a sense of what like Def Jux and sort of the indie movement was doing at the time before you before you joined Def Jux. Uh,
0: well, before I do, I joined Def Jux. That was probably like the Sonic Sum stuff. Um, mm. So, uh, everybody was just sort of, I guess at that time, L was still doing, uh, probably official recordings. Mm. Um, so I don't even think, I, I knew all those dudes and would see them down at Ozone Entertainment because that, that's sort of who, I'm um, this is kind of all over the place at this point, but, uh, to try and make it a little more linear, uh, I was doing my own thing, like everybody, every kid who was, or every, like, teenager or whatever in New York that was, at the time, like, rapping was just, it was just what we did, like, just part of, like, everyday life, so uh, I I just feel like that was just there bubbling on the street, and then, uh, you know, I kind of went, I wasn't really necessarily going an in independent path mm-hmm. at the time, like, I wanted a record deal like everybody else, so you know, we would just sort of, uh, be around in New York and the climate was just sort of where everybody was rapping, go like, like, uh, West fourth, uh, the cage and Washington square park. And, uh, you would just go and just rap with people from everywhere. You would just, it was just on every corner. It That sounds corny, but <laughs> that's kind of how it was. So, um, I didn't really get, uh, Get into the the, dev, the so I, I ended up doing that just by default, and I met uh through kind of through a graph crew is where I met a lot of the dudes that ended up being in what the public knows as sonic sum mm. uh, so there was like some some you know there's some branches and avenues that led to graffiti and all that but uh yeah, so I was doing sonic sum stuff, and we uh, happened to link up with ozone entertainment and that's where l was l and len and and just were recording and they were all sort of you know already a crew for a while and i met them through mike ladd hmm. uh mike ladd introduced me to the ozone guys, and uh let me see if i'm if i'm right on this yeah and then uh that's how i sort of met l and me and L clicked, and uh you know I was cool with everybody. But I, I, there were so many people that used to come through that place; it was crazy. So that sort of just fed into the independent scene, and I kind of got tired of dealing with uh the rigmarole of of trying to get a record deal at some point. was like this is this is not what I wanted to do this for ever.
2: Yeah, the chasing
0: yeah i mean just like you know to doing whatever you can just to get like a meeting with a and r's at the time was so it was so crazy yeah. <laughs> it was so like like you you know the, the like i said the climate was was so crazy in the early the, the really early 90s in new york and there would just be like you know everybody from like management just sort of be scouring the streets for like Mm. cyphers Mm. and it was it was cool in a respect but you know in in some aspects but it was also like really kind of it was just i don't know you know so i got to i got i met a couple cats like at mercury records and then sony at some point i ended up going into the big room at sony bmg and uh talked to them and i was just kind of like i don't i don't even know what i'm like i don't know how i fit into any of this i'm not like a uh the roughneck you know thug kind of guy and uh that's sort of what was pop (laughs) that was sort of popping there in the early 90s and dudes were like yo you should probably change up your image or whatever blah 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 and uh i just sort of felt like it was it wasn't necessarily for me that avenue wasn't necessarily for me so it was Mm -hmm. only natural that that when i linked up with people and saw people doing independent stuff like what i was doing and and Amici and all those dudes. I was like really, really drawn towards it.
2: Yeah, right on. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge uh, Sonic Sum fan, just like really, really important records for me. Uh, films as well, but Sanity Annex in particular. And you and I had a oh, little, thanks, I can't remember, Twitter or Instagram back and forth once. And you said you would possibly consider putting Sanity Addicts on DSPs. And so now you're here let's talk about this. Like, will you, will you let people uh, hear the greatness that is sanity annex someday? And can I do something to convince you to possibly do this? Can I help you in some way? (laughs) You know, what's funny
0: about that is, uh, is recently I kind of like, I kind of, because I do get that from more people than you, I do do get, you know, and I kind of felt like not necessarily like, that I really had a full, con- I don't, re- didn't really have full control over that. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah. I guess I was the, the people that people could, could access easier okay. than anybody else. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But there's preservation. Yeah. There's Fred Wands. There's Eric MO, like all those dudes. And, and you're in all different parts of the country at this point. You sure. know, I think the only people that are in uh, New York full time now are uh, Fred and, and Prez. but everybody's sort of doing their, their own thing. So it was never really an issue of, of not letting that out there. You know what I'm
1: saying?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the logistics of it were kind of difficult. And, uh, I think it, it just recently, like over the last, like during COVID I was, uh, and plus there was a moment and I won't get get into this cause it's like a little messy, but there was a moment where somebody like unauthorized, <laughs> put it out. Like there was a miscommunication mm-hmm. as a, uh, a label out of France that had contacted me, and we had worked with them before, and it was all—it it was just a misunderstanding and um, language barrier kind of things. But it was mm-hmm. lost in translation, and, and he, it ended up going out. So that kind of freaked me out, and even more because I was like, I just kind of ended up looking like this, like Scrooge guy with this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I won't let the, I won't let this. My <laughs> my shekels out. and It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that at all you know like i'm just sitting here like damn i want to i want to I wanna do whatever's, but you know we'll we'll let people into the the history of this and but it's just it was just difficult so i think eventually like halfway through covid i was just like i hit up fred and uh and i was like yo man whatever yeah, i want to do with this do it you okay. know okay well right so we'll see You know what I'm saying? Like, I just felt like I had, I was just being, and it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't anything I ever intended it to be, but I just felt like I was in this position of, of trying to sort of, uh, yeah, I was in like control of something. I totally was never, you know, yeah, no, it's means. it's, uh, it's yeah. what I,
2: what I find interesting about it, and I didn't mean to like paint you into a corner. I just am very interested in other people. I mean, I have my copy sitting at hand's reach. I can listen to it whenever I want. It's not about that. It's like I want Dave and I in particular, and just like there's a subsection of us who just like hold the record in such high esteem. It's just nice to be able to kind of like you know, but like anyway, you you get it. Um, my no, question? I do, I do, and I yeah.
0: I think there's a lot of people like it. It it kind of shocks me sometimes because. I know that when that record came out, I know that when Downtown Maze it got love because Bobito liked it a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob was playing it quite quite frequently on the show, and that that's just sort of at the time, and in New York City, like that was sort of a an automatic cosign, you know? Yeah, and uh, it was like one of those things where that song was getting a lot of love, and and we blasted through like whatever uh, uh, whatever singles we made for that we blasted right through it but then we ended up putting the album out on a new groove collective which was on the west coast yeah and uh and we didn't really we did we we tried to tour out there once with antipop and, and mike Ladd, and it was it was a a crazy crazy i don't know i i it was just disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so I didn't really know that that record had had the the record in its entirety had such a, a major impact on heads. But but the yeah. more I hear from it, the, the more you know. I know there's a lot of people that know of me from Deaf Jokes or or with Ace and things like that. But I think that there is a really dedicated following for that record.
2: Yeah, humanity. totally. Uh, it, to so me, just sense. just to go one one layer deeper on this, I think people because you in that you're essentially the lead vocalist of a group, but it was very much a group. That's part of what you're describing. Exactly. The, the, the musical direction. I, I always thought Sonic Sum had great art. It's like the the, oh, the, yeah. the record covers, the kind of scribbled Adam thing of the logo. Like, I bought into the whole deal. Like, I'm just such a huge Sonic Sum fan. And I've liked a lot of your solo work, and I like Latronalia a lot, and we'll get to that. But um, exactly. for me, there's something more than the sum of its parts about the group. And so, yeah, anyway, so just wanted you to hear that. Yeah, Those aren't no. really questions, but...
0: <laughs> no, no, I, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think that, that that is on the, you know... On, on a whole, that that is what we were trying to do. Like it wasn't uh, we all sort of were uh, the the sum of the parts, and that's why it's called Sonic Sum. were more important than than mm. just one one entity or mm. uh, whatever it be. Uh, I considered Prez, who was at the time John and uh, Fred and and Eric, just as equal as I was, even though I was the lead vocalist. But uh, they were certainly more than, uh, you know, important to how that record sounded. And the the, sum of the uh, or the sound of the group, really, was just as much on them. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the art, because the, uh, the art, that was the first sort of public uh, exposure to Dan Lang, who ended up doing mm. Fantastic Damage. And, oh,
1: okay. You know, mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's Fred's man from Chicago.
0: That's dope. That's Dan dope. Ezra, Dan yeah. Ezra Lang, yeah, yeah. He did the, uh, he did the Scribble logo, which is classic to me. I mean, that's uh, I've seen it like, you know, I've seen some similar things over the years, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Now nah, he did the Scribble logo and he did the Calorama Gala, Hembrough Street Twelve, because the first stuff was white label. You know, mm. this okay. was, that's when 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 Downtown Maze came out. That was all white. We were still white label business you know right, what I'm saying like right. just just put out a single and like having a a label that was black and white with any art on it was like drove the price <laughs> of the, the record up to oh. like astronomical <laughs> you know back this is back during the Quirk express two point five or whatever you hey. know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> take it taking it back um it was just, back it was back there yeah, back back in the day uh so yeah. I wanted to ask because we we recently had a chance to talk with um, with Blockhead. Uh, the new Blockhead Aesop record uh, just came out, and he had some very interesting thoughts on his working relationship, personal relationship with Blockhead. Did on on Aesop Rock, and so I wanted to ask you. I know you guys uh, work together on the Hail Mary Malin stuff. What is it like to work with uh, Aesop Rock, and did you? was that like a challenge as an mc did was there a competitiveness there was it a, more of a collegial vibe can you kind of take us take us into that working relationship
0: sure i can try um you know it's never it's never like actually being there but uh i can sort of try there's definitely a competitive nature between me and ace when it comes to the pen mm. you know uh i think that that when when we do that i think that that's just that's just what where we came up, you know. Uh, I don't think that'll ever go away from us. Uh, we always, I think we, there's a ton of respect for each other. But I think probably underneath all the, the oh yo, I love you, I love you, bro, this is great. <laughs> yo, you killed that shit, great, good, great job. We always like damn, you know, kind of got me on that.
1: First, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I come from, from a lyricist standpoint, and, uh, a rapper standpoint. That'll always be just who we are you know we're from new york in the you know late 80s early 90s so you know it, that is just who we are in that respect um in terms of it's probably different than maybe i didn't actually hear the the block uh episode pardon me <laughs> <laughs> but uh i i it's it's hard man i'm like doing a ton of stuff the this right now so i will no get to it and and no i will definitely absorb that but i'm sure it's probably a little different because those guys have known each other Mm. uh i think a little longer than me and ace have actually Mm. quite some time longer Mm. and uh i think they have whenever you're working as a producer because i do both so i understand when i'm working with an mc as a producer versus when i'm working with somebody i'm collaborating with on on writing it's a completely different angle Mm. so uh from my standpoint, I mean, we we always wanted it to be sort of fun and, you know, but we butted heads a few times, mm. you know what I'm saying? We, we'd we be up in the studio and I'm, and I didn't, you know, I, maybe I might not like something, he the way he delivered something or he might not like something I have to say. We're definitely honest with each other about it. Mm. Mm. So, you know, wow. it's real, real deal stuff, you know?
1: Right on, man. Thank you. Um, you know, you mentioned... The competitive nature with the pen and uh you know i i want to uh focus on your on your writing a little bit i mean it's certainly a, a stream of consciousness it's a you have an economy of with words but and you know la- uh you know of lack lack of a better term it's pretty poetic can you let everybody know what your writing process is like
0: uh yeah thank you for saying that uh it definitely i, I definitely started off writing poetry very uh uh i wrote i wrote uh i think the first poem i actually wrote and like displayed publicly i think i was in fourth or fifth grade uh, a friend of mine had been hit by a car so passed away so and i just was really into poetry really young i don't know what, the, what i don't know why uh i was into the music real heavy and breakdancing at the time was really new but i was just just really into writing poetry and that sort of went hand in hand into into emceeing i guess that was sort of natural but uh yeah i guess i guess it just started off I, i liked writing verses and prose and and um that event i didn't know what i was doing it was probably like you know uh blue Jay on on a gray day or something like that, you know. <laughs> what what kids write about, what they think, you know, what whatever. You know, like I really like flowers. I've got so much power. Kinda of thing. <laughs> but uh yeah I, I I just was into that. Maybe maybe I was like a theatrical little kid or something. I don't know. But uh then I got into just um the the process sort of has evolved over the years. Uh with the Sonic Sum stuff it was very I sort of threw away all sort of rules that I had come up with when it, when it comes, came to rapping about syllables and what fits into four bars and you know, what, what is a bar I kind of threw that, that to the wind with Sonic some. And that was kind of, kind of cool about that. You know, it was mm. sort of more free. It was, I don't know without, without sounding cliche or corny, like from free jazz, like uh saxophonist or something. It was more like that. Mm. Like, like I was just kinda of trying to to build on it like build on a theme without staying necessarily in the in the parameters of what you're supposed to do as a rapper. So, you know, that was good for me. That was a really good exercise for me, uh for the that period of time because I was sort of in in uh I would probably say that I I, I, I needed to do that for where I was as a writer um, because I think that I was probably staying a little bit constricted or, or just constricting myself in terms of format mm-hmm. and that sort of opened me up. So when I went back to writing bar style stuff, uh, I sort of had a better understanding of how to sort of merge the two. So that's where I I would say I am now. So the process has I couldn't really knock that. That probably didn't answer your question. The, but the, um, the process has definitely evolved into uh, sort of a, a, hopefully a unique thing to me. I mean, nothing is new under the sun, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if, I know a few heads that sort of do this, but just saying the illest stuff and getting it in there in the amount of time you have and syllable play within the bar structure, is something that I'm I'm sort of more fluid with now
2: hmm. as a result of throwing those rules away at one point. That, that's super interesting. Yeah. Thanks, man. I can definitely hear that in uh in some of the results. Um talk about uh, uh launching Rob Sonic as a solo act. For you did it did it also mean upping your production game and like deciding what your sound was going to be personally?
0: Yeah, I think that was a, du- a direct result of that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, uh, there were, there were, there were, it, we weren't really having problems with Sonic some, but, uh, I think that, that people were just, you know, we were, we were sort of spinning wheels at, uh, around films like, and, and it was real life stuff, you know, like Eric was, was in, in New York and he is a, not a resident of the United States. So. We had to deal with that, trying to get him, you know, get him papers was rough. And it just put some, there was a lot of things that were sort of putting stress on the group. And um, and uh, I had started sort of tinkering with beats. Uh, I've always like been into synthesizers, but I never really had an MP until I made uh, an MPC. Sorry, um, I never had a beat, like a beat machine, a beat box or whatever outside of like, you know, a broken lindrum there for a little while. <laughs> but I had like a, I I got my uh two thousand XL and made Rocket, I think was the first beat I ever made. That's Sonic that's Sonic on Sonic Some. Mm. So that's I started producing while Sonic Some was still putting out music, you know? Mm. And um and L heard that and was like, yo, you make Ragga like this, yeah, I'll put this out and i was like oh that's cool man i you know i appreciate that and uh i just stuck with it i mean i you know i i, I don't know you know <laughs> like it, it just sort of i guess that's it it was never like um it was never like i was like disappointed in anything the, the fellas did i always loved what they do it was just uh, they have a they have their style of doing it and i was i was sort of influenced a lot by like some very electronic shit hmm. Mm. And, uh, and I, I sort of felt like I didn't understand how to sort of convey that to them on how to get it. And, and it was, you know, it's just hard to when you, you have a vision and you're not really able to sort of describe it to to people uh, succinctly it becomes difficult and you just sort of feel like, well, I don't know. I kind of, can y'all make a beat like this? And I'm making (laughs) noises like, Oh, can you make the, you know, make (laughs) this. And, uh, you know, so I think it was, it was part of a necessary progression for me, um, was to sort of get at least attempt to, um, get what I had envisioned, at that stage, out of me, and that mm. sort of led to me producing.
1: Sick, sick. Um, and then as a rapper, you're just in the driver's seat at that point because you're not, you're not you're not sitting around waiting for the the right producer uh, link up, which is which yeah. is dope.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean it's definitely it's definitely more difficult. Uh, I gotta say, you know, because I've always been a fan of, uh, you know, uh, like I you can sort of make stuff that you think you'll sound good over, but sometimes producers know, you know, mm, so you mm. could be like, you know, that, that was a good thing with Sonic song. Like dudes would be like, nah, you sound good over this. I'll be like, I don't like this beat. And then I'm yep. over it and it'd be like, oh, it's, I got to give it to you guys. You're right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes hard so, to judge as, as the artist yourself, right?
0: So, yeah. It's yeah. very hard. Like, you know, I make, I probably have to go through 10, uh, Ten different, uh, I don't know. I guess demos of a of a song before it becomes anything.
1: Oh shit! Okay,
0: yeah. Okay, like there's there's tons of different verses for songs, and you know, so it's it's a long process. I wish it was. I wish I could somehow streamline it and get it quicker. So I wasn't putting out records every two years.
1: Well, speaking of uh, putting out records, as we kind of round home here, you've got a, a new record. Is it is it coming out? No, it's out. It's out. Okay. Yeah, La- and uh, and say Latrinalia. I was gonna ask how to say yeah. it. Tell us a little bit about that record and, and what folks can uh can get Rob, from it.
2: Rob, before you answer, can I can I at like propose what I think the title is about and you can tell me if I'm right or not? Absolutely. Okay. So is is it like marginalia where that's things that are like around the edges of a concept, but then it's like the latrine. So it's like things around like the toilet. Is this a, you're, i'm completely <laughs> off i can tell by your, your face that's uh, good with that. Okay.
0: <laughs> nah, it literally uh, it, uh, it literally translate and i don't know who i i'm bad at this but I, i'm not sure exactly where i heard it first but it is definitely a uh, uh is it a americanism or something it literally is toilet graffiti
2: Okay, toilet graffiti. Yes,
0: that's, gotcha, that's,
2: gotcha, gotcha. Katrina. Uh, uh, okay, so I wasn't that far off. Okay, okay. No,
0: cool. you were. I yeah. I mean, I guess you do scribble and and you know, when you're and when you're writing or something, you would you know do whatever in the margins, little notes or whatever. Very so interesting. Could be, mm. Okay, could be seen as that. So you're not too far off. All right, but, uh, thank that, you. That it is actually it it and and it sucks that I don't know who who I should be giving credit to right now uh but i i heard it at some point years and years ago and i had it you know written in my proverbial uh bathroom (laughs) where all the notes go and uh i was like yeah i think that's that sort of that sort of works out for this record and uh that's why i used it but yeah somebody else actually coined that word
2: Gotcha. Um, tell, tell us more. It's a very cohesive record. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, just t- tell us, tell us about the record. Did you do everything on it? Are there other people like, what's it about?
0: Uh,
2: it's basically,
0: yeah, that's, uh, I, I am, there's one, I did everything. There is one other producer who did, uh, who did the beat for Grimace, Edison SF, who's actually really a talented guy, um, talented beat maker. Um, but I guess it's, it's sort of about, uh, I guess how, where I was over the last couple of years and then 2020 sort of really hyper exposed that was, uh, you know, I, I sort of, uh, sort of my whole world is sort of like constantly going in this creative mode. And I'm not sure, really sure where that, that fits into today's society. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it, it's sort of, I struggle with, with what technology has sort of posed to uh, artists, I guess. I mean, they, they, I don't, I don't know if, if music is necessarily having the same impact on people that it had on me. So, you know, because there's so many other things going on. I mean, right now, you know, teenagers are like, <laughs> like money is a thing. Like, that's like, you know, you just, your, your spare time is like collecting NFTs and making like 40, 40 <laughs> this. You know, and, and that, that's a thing. Like, like that's, I don't know where I fit into that. I'm just sort of this dude who's just sitting around like scribbling little, you know, observations about things on, on whatever you know and and i I don't necessarily know how you know to us it's it's still the most important thing but i don't necessarily know how that is for the the upcoming generations uh i don't even know where where we're what letter we're in right now or if Mm. we pass them all together and just moved into like the millennial next or
1: whatever no future
0: Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, I don't
1: necessarily
0: know, like, what's going to be left of, of you know, and I always felt like hip hop sort of did that, man. Like, like hip hop was always like, like you know, who who talks about, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess they get their respect and shit. But like, who talks about Melly Mellon? Who talks about like Kaz and them dudes all the time? you know what right. i'm
2: saying
0: like i, I don't know Us. no just kidding that's what i'm saying though that's that's what i love and i i am seeing podcasting has actually sort of i i felt like that's sort of uh been really good in that respect you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. it is giving a voice uh to where may you know you guys probably wouldn't have been able to get a show on on the air or whatever. Yeah, so we this, still can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all so self-produced. <laughs> this is the episode, guys. This yeah. is the one.
1: <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna put us over the top. Uh let me I just want to make sure that we I get this off before we let you go. Um, I actually did have a, a community access TV show and I had these what? guys come on. You peeped it?
0: I didn't peep it up, actually. Where 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 was
1: it? So so here in San Jose, uh, we, we recorded it uh, at a spot, and I brought these guys on to talk about kind of San Jose shit. That's kind of the theme of the show, right? But then it became like a Sonic some love fest at the end. So I would oh, definitely yeah. encourage you to check that out. It's called Imagine SJ. If you want to look will. that up. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we can, can send you the wonder. link. I didn't, I
0: don't know. San Jose is is a funny place. I actually live through that. <laughs> I, I ended up living somehow in my, my life, you know, this weird life where I'm sitting around making latrinalia, but uh, <laughs> I ended up out there for a little while on Peninsula, oh, and really? I was always in, yeah, and I was always in uh, San Jose, I actually did a song, uh, a show with uh, Mega AB,
1: Mega mm. Abusive, Mega Abusive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: he's from, he's from out there, right, yep. Yep. yeah, yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. And Mike Eagle, it was, it was fun at some, it, it, it was in San Francisco, but yeah, nah, that's, that's cool. I had, I had some good times in driving through uh, San Jose. I think I went and saw a Marvel superhero playing. I don't know, that is, you know,
1: that San is Jose. such a quintessential uh, San Jose experience. Thank you for uh, yeah, <laughs> Thank you for uh, sharing that with us. So uh, latronelia is out in stores, in stores. See, I'm a fucking relic. <laughs> So,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's out those, those right exist now. Any, that's what I'm saying. Those don't exist anymore.
1: Like we go Don't <laughs> so say I I'm to, Goody and cop this shit. It's fine. No, that's what I'm saying. When I tell motherfuckers,
0: excuse my language, I don't know. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. The FCC, but when I tell motherfuckers I'm like, "Yo, man, you can walk down the bleaker Bobs and you'd like it is uh, a block over would be the basement. A block over, yeah. like just the record stores in general. The the you know the the impact it had on on us obviously is a little different than than it may have be having or the style. I don't even know what it is. I can't even put my finger on it. I don't know.
1: But but we're remember. happy that you uh that you got to to muse on it on the on the new record. Uh, this interview has been a long time coming, so just want to thank you for making the time, man. And oh,
0: thank you, guys, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Won't be the last time, man. Appreciate it. <laughs>
0: nah, I'll, I'll try to be in. Like, now I feel like I got to park in a in a in an even weirder spot. Uh, <laughs> <It's time. laughs>
1: yes. Every yes.
0: Every time we talk, I'll be like, "Yeah, I'm on an army base." We'll <laughs> I thought you were gonna say at
1: Arby's, which would be even Iller <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would be ill. But I would be ill if,
0: I, <laughs> if it was from the Arby's, I'm sure. But
2: that's dope, man. Thank you guys for having
0: me, man. And yeah. I love you guys' show, man. By the Thank way, you man, very you much. Guys, yeah. You love your music, it, man. Right back at you. You, you. you guys really put it down well. And I, I, I do as you know, I, I definitely am out there being the town crier for the dad, the dad by rap pop.
2: Oh, Thank man. you so much.
0: Appreciate it, brother.
1: Thank okay. you, bro. All right. Take All right. care, Rob. All Get right, home safe. It. Drive safe, yo. dad bar rap pod that was our conversation with rob sonic we want to thank him for joining us from a church parking lot which is a first in 197 episodes i think Dell joined us from smash burger yes uh, and
2: uh marcus moore joined us from kenya yes most yes. people are just in their bedroom or their kitchen uh so it's always interesting for us when uh, when somebody pops up somewhere interesting i have to say i've listened to this dude rap for many hours of my life i did not know his speaking voice had such a thick accent
1: yeah yeah he has a he definitely has a very uh bronxian uh pronunciation although he was he was very quick to clarify he is from dc right. migrated to the bronx but definitely has, Where he apparently learned how to speak yes he has a very <laughs> uh thick new york accent which i always appreciate and uh yeah just super thoughtful we appreciate him sharing his his thoughts on uh his career that of sonic some kind of getting some uh Uh, background in his relationship with aesop rock and uh yeah that that interview was a long time coming my guys have been talking about this for literally like two years yeah so more
2: more than that i think we we recommended some songs on like a a single digit episode and i put Rama gala as one of the songs that people should listen to like i think before we knew how to cut in the, the
1: actual uh, samples the, the, and stuff. The, yeah.
2: yeah. The uh, snippets.
1: The audio snippets. Yeah. Oh. I mean, just so. for me
2: and I, I have to take a moment right now to give a, a shout out to my guy, Hago Bellion, um, him and I just, Listen to this incessantly in college and like sit around and talk about the lyrics and smoked a lot of pot and like just like that was really really important music for us and our friendship so I just want to make sure to mention him while we're on mic here but and I've been texting him the whole time I'm like Rob Sonic talk to me online Rob Sonic joined our Patreon I'm interviewing Rob Sonic like you know it's just like it's weird Uh, it's not weird anymore kind of because we do this all every week but it is a little weird when
1: I'm I want my friends to be more excited. I'm yeah. like, I just talked to Pharaoh Munch. Why don't you text me? Right. Give I me know. something. Give me I something. Know. But but people are very used to us um, talking to people, our heroes, basically. So I know
2: it- I, we're going to do some kind of mushy end of year post at some point. And it's like, talk to a lot of my heroes this year.
0: Yeah. Talk yeah. to
2: OC, you know. It's just like uh, never thought that would happen. Just like no. talk to Buck Wild. Not that the, the, those two yeah. happen to be, you know, somewhat related by working together. But it's just like, dude, I never thought. I'm, I'm telling OC he shouldn't wait in line for shoes, or Buck Wild <laughs> he shouldn't wait in line, wait in line
1: for, for shoes. shoes. Buck Wild, and he's like, I like, I like the vibes. Yeah, he was, was just amazing. like, I like was hanging such out. Such a
2: weird moment. Like that's yeah. so cool.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're definitely uh, blessed to be able to do this program. Uh, we're blessed to have you as a listener. And if you really fuck with us, we invite you to check us out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash dad bod pod for just $5 a month. You get all kinds of fly goodies like Nate's uh, mix show, The Fly Sporadic, which I got the advanced copy of uh, the second Fly Sporadic. Woo. Nate is flipping it on y'all. This, this is your Paul's boutique,
2: bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm a,
1: yeah. I was just uh, like, I, I will say this part one. And I was like, Oh shit. Uh,
2: my wife, very not pleased that I have discovered the effects uh patch on my oh, mixing board. <laughs> so,
1: so good. Bro. I'm just like
2: in in my room, like being like, what, 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 what do, 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 do you, 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 you want, one, want, one, one. Four, 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 four. dinner, 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 dinner.
1: Uh, that was the highlight of my Thanksgiving weekend. Was <laughs> listening to uh to the advanced copy of a fly sporadic episode uh, had you liked two. It. Kim Corder, uh, that's just one of the goodies that you get if you are a Patreon subscriber. We also do exclusive Patreon-only uh, segments about different things. We get a little spicier than we might on uh, on the regular pod. Uh, this is for, dumb, and I know
2: we're, like, wrapping up, but it's, like, it's, I don't think people realize, and I didn't realize how much we needed a place to talk about things we think are mid. <laughs> like, it's not good podcasting to be like, it was okay but I feel that way about basically everything. Like we only talk about the stuff we love on here and we don't talk at all about the stuff we don't like, but I like some stuff just fine. That's, that's just kind of okay. How music and life is like almost every movie is a C, right? Some are a (laughs) plus some are F and F is super interesting and a plus I'm going to like cry and think about it later. A C is I just, I watched it and then I moved on with my life. And where do you talk about that?
1: Uh Patreon on our Patreon. We talk <laughs> we talk about those. We give you a little behind the scenes on, on kind of how uh our, our interactions and things go. Um, also David Ma is going to be raffling off some of his prize promo stuff that he's gotten uh in 20 plus years as a hip hop journalist. So there's a lot of goodies, it's only five dollars a month. Check us out patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod as we always say about this time, you can vibe with us on Twitter at DadBodRapPod and on IG at DadBodRapPod. We drop new episodes every Thursday. And you know what, Nate? We what? are pushing up on 200. Uh, and we got a really <sighs> special episode. My friend, I want to talk about
2: it so bad.
1: You can't, though. You can't. You signed an NDA. We can't talk about it just yet. But we have a, a super episode 200 lined up for y'all. Um, to me, it's a, it, it's really more than an episode. It's a multimedia experience that's coming for, <laughs> for episode 200. So uh, stay on the lookout for that. Um, in December, we'll be uh, crossing that, that barrier. And, you know, we're just really appreciative of everybody who's tuned in and listened and vibed with us. We are the Dad Bod Rap Pod.